get together. It's Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. This is God's word. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And when he said to them, and then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, his persistence, otherwise known as nagging, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to us because he loves us. Let's pray. Father, you just told us to ask for the Spirit, and the Spirit's job is to show us the beauty of the gospel and to bring us into your presence, and so please do that, Lord. Uh, Use my words to communicate truth and teach us to pray as Jesus prayed and show us what a privilege it is that Jesus turns to us and says, my father is now your father. So help us this morning to learn and to grow as we communicate with you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know at some point we've all had this experience um, the beginning of your Christian life, or maybe you still have it, I don't know, is you, you say, I know I'm supposed to pray because the pastor is going to tell me eight weeks in a row. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a, it's a human instinct that you'll find all across the world that if anyone believes in some kind of higher power, they pray, they communicate. Um, I mean, I know there's the, there are atheists who say they do not pray, and that's but it's just saying that in every tribe, every tongue, every nation, in the history of the world, there are those who have prayed. And so we come knowing that if there's a God, he, we should communicate with him. Then the question is, what do we say? What are you going to say? What does he want me to pray? Um, if he's bigger than me and has a plan for my life, you know, what does is, what is the sovereign Lord want me to talk back to him? And I'll give a little testimony to start out. Is I grew up in the church, so I've heard prayers from within the womb uh, all the way through. I mean, I never really walked away from the church, even though my heart wasn't always present. Uh, that means I've attended prayer meetings. I've he probably heard thousands of prayers. Um, 
But it wasn't until I had gotten to college and first believed the gospel that I wanted to pray. And it was the same question. Okay, now what? What do I say? What am I, I going to say that's going to have an impact, that's going to change me, that's going to change people around me? I mean, I know prayer is simple. You just talk. You talk to the one who's in heaven. But I didn't know much more other than just to say thank you for grace, <laughs> which is a good place to start, by the way. And so being in the church, I could say Christian things, but one of the, one of the teachers that I had that was really helpful to know where to start was a guy named St. Augustine. I, which is really random, I know, but I was in a Christian college. He's, he's been dead 1,600 years. <laughs> he's an African pastor. But for me, I mean, just words didn't seem to do justice to talking to somebody who was all-wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. I knew my sin. I didn't feel worthy. You know, just, just trying to, to wear these clothes that God has put on me in Christ. And I was reading St. Augustine's Confessions which is a whole book of prayers, which I would highly recommend to you if you haven't read it. Um, and this is how he starts. He says, Great are you, Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense. Your wisdom beyond our understanding. He's echoing the Psalms here. And he says, Even though we humans are a small part of your creation, who are sinners and who will die, we'd still long to praise you. You've made us in such a way that Praising you gives you gives us joy. And here's the famous line. You have made us and drawn us to yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find the rest in you. Right. And here's, here's what I got out of this. One, he was speaking God's words back to him. He was just regurgitating what he learned in the Psalms, if you could put it that way. But really, he said, God, you are great, and I have no idea how to pray. My heart is restless. Please help. And that's what the whole book is, is him wrestling in prayer with God. Right. And I, th I think that's where we all come from. We, we have restless hearts. We don't know how to calm them, how to sit still, how to come into God's presence, and to talk to him. Right. I'll give you another example uh, from Flannery O'Connor. This is from her prayer journal. She was an author in the... 19, in the 1900s. I've shared some of her stories before. But this is the way she wrote. I'm just giving you examples of really talented people, pastors and not pastors, lay people, to see that they, they all struggle with this. And she says, Dear God, I cannot love you the way I want to. And she uses this illustration. You are a slim crescent of a moon that I see, and myself is her shadow that keeps me from seeing the whole moon. And what I'm afraid of, God, is that my shadow will grow so large that I will not be able to see. And then I then will judge myself by my own shadow, which is nothing. I need help knowing you, God, because I keep getting in the way. <laughs> and what she's saying is, I have trouble praying because I keep getting in the way. My ego is so big, I'm terrified that myself will take over my prayer life. And then I'll just be talking to myself. Does it sound familiar? Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in, in thee. And in one place in her journal, she just will say, somebody teach me how to pray. 
This is the context of Luke, when Jesus comes to teach us how to pray. That we are restless, we don't know how to sit still, um, our hearts wander, I mean, that's normal, prayer is hard. I mean, it, I don't know if you know this, we're all a little crazy, you talk to, y- to yourself more than anyone else. <laughs> and so this is, a, this is just how things are, we need help to step out of ourselves to see the God who is who then shows us who we are and who he is. And that's where prayer gets powerful and real. And so the context in Luke 11, Jesus tells us how to pray, but right after chastising people with restless hearts. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Um, It's in 1038. If you've got your Bibles open, you can look at it with me. It's a pretty famous story. Martha comes... She welcomes Jesus over for dinner. Mary and Martha are sisters, and Martha's just bustling around the the kitchen getting dinner ready. I mean, she had to know Jesus was coming. She invited him. So she's just, she wants everything to be perfect. She she is the hospitality queen. So the the forks and knives are going to be on the correct side. I don't know what that is for you, so I won't say it wrong. But she's just all wound up. And Mary, her sister, women are, in their culture, they were the ones who prepared the meals. They, they served the meals. They were the one who did all this work. She's doing something radical by sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening. She, she's taking the posture of a disciple. And Martha was just, well, it says, she was distracted by much serving, which is a good thing. Serving is not bad. Please serve. I mean, it's the same word used to describe the way Jesus serves us. Martha is so worked up, so restless, she has the nerve to go to Jesus and complain and say, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her to help me. It's not fair. (laughs) That's my my addition there. And Jesus replies to her, Martha, Martha, which is a very tender, tender hearted way to respond whenever it's repeated. It says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. She's restless. The whole point of the story, if we're going to step into it, Martha's us. And Luke, being the good teacher, puts Martha right before Jesus teaches us how to pray. And we should always ask, why are these two together? It is history, but they're also teachers. Martha had a restless heart right in the presence of Jesus, of God. And so if she can be that way, what about us? She could see him, but she was busy with much serving. She couldn't couldn't relax. And that's, that's America. It's American Christianity. And so let me ask you, how are you? I mean, where do you see yourself in this? We've got loved ones to care for. We've got pressures of our jobs, emails to respond to. Your parents, you're chasing kids all day long. I mean, you're emotionally and physically serving. And ministry's got to get done. We want to do it well. Right? We're serving the Lord. We've got to do it right. We're busy and distracted with much serving. 
And Jesus' response is, let's learn to pray. Your hearts are restless, full of anxiety. And one pastor described really well how Martha's feeling. She's, you're anxious and troubled. To be anxious is to be torn apart from the inside. So this is what life does. This is why prayer is so hard. We come with restless hearts. We're like Martha. We're mad, <laughs> mad at ourselves because we barely ha- are keeping it together. We're easily overwhelmed. Uh, we, we get mad at other people because they're not helpful. <laughs> they're not helping us as we think they should help. Jesus punished them. <laughs> and we get mad at God. Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't you making this easier? Why aren't you giving me comfort? She can't even pray because she's so concerned about herself. The shadow of herself is starting to come in front of her vision, and she can't even see the Lord right in front of her. This is where we need to hear the Lord's prayer. So let's look at it. (laughs) Because really, we've, we've started. How do you begin in prayer got to admit where you're coming from and just start by saying lord teach us to pray teach us to come into your presence so that we can have our hearts be at rest i mean jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden i mean prayer starts with a posture of trying to fighting for rest so how do you begin to pray let's read it This is point one. But Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So how do you pray? How do you start? The very first thing you start with is just say, Father. That in the midst of all of the craziness, all of our restlessness, all of our anxiety, our troubles, our fears, and our failures, Jesus says, start with this one word. It's really simple. Call God Father. And what I like about this is, one, Luke's, you'll notice if you've been around the church for a while, this is different than the way Matthew presents the Lord's Prayer. Because Matthew starts, Our Father who art in heaven. Luke's version is just much more abrupt because he's trying to ask why. It's because he wants you to focus on it. It's much more childlike. If you're around small children, we have three of them. They just come up, run, and say, Father, Daddy, give me a drink. <laughs> a lot of times I don't even start with the name, so starting with God's name is a, g- is a good, respectful place to start. It's, it's a wake-up call. It's, it's like a child being simple, just saying, God, I want your attention now. Father, I'm coming to you. And if that... If that bores you, if you're not astonished by that, if you don't understand the bombshell that Jesus is dropping, when he says you can call God Father, how does prayer begin? It starts with us coming as God's children. It starts with your identity. Before you ever get busy in the Christian life. It's always about who, first who you are, that we operate out of our identity. Because of who I am as a son, I talk to my Father in heaven. 
And so prayer starts with this wake-up call, to wake up and see that I, as a child of God, of the King, am not the center of the universe. Sorry to be the bringer of bad news. You are not the center of the universe, and neither am I. Father. This is an astonishing privilege, because in the Old Testament, before Jesus started teaching people, and before Jesus himself modeled this way of praying, Nobody had the courage to call God Father personally and intimately. And I said before, it's, it's only listed in God being described as Father is only described about 14 times in 39 books. Out of the whole Old Testament, barely a dozen times is God described as a Father. Why not? Well, think about it. What is it? What are you saying to God when you call him Father? You're claiming him. I mean, it, it assumes a familiarity that you know him well enough to call Father, to call him Father. It assumes an intimacy that he would want to be called Father, that he want to claim you as your son, as his son. It, it's a right. It's a privilege. I mean, this is so intimate that the Muslims, you, know, you read the Quran, you will not find any instance of Allah, their God, being called Father. And in, if you have it, get into a conversation, they will not call Allah Father because it's too intimate. It's too close. We're not good enough. How could we even think to come into the presence of somebody so good, so holy, so big, so high up in heaven to say, you're my Father? And yet Jesus says, this is, this is how you start. Father. I mean, if the Jews in, their, in the Old Testament, they wouldn't even say God's name, Yahweh. They called him Jehovah. They just added some vowels they would, to write it out. All because they knew that God was for them, but they didn't know how close they could get. <laughs> I mean, the only ones that you will find that maybe could have called God Father would be the King of Israel. But it was more of God saying, I am your father for this one individual. Nobody ever in all, the whole Old Testament said, God, you are my father. Not that personal, not that intimate. And so when you come to the New Testament, Jesus just starts talking father. Everybody's looking at him saying, who do you think you are? How do you think you have the right to call him father? You think you're better than us? <laughs> Abba. Father, over and over and over again. There's only every single prayer we have recorded by Jesus, except for one. Jesus addresses God as Father. So that, that means his, his first prayers that we have recorded would start with Father. His last prayer on the cross as he died, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It all begins by identifying God as your father and asking yourself, do I have that right to talk to him this way? And Jesus says, you do, if you know me. So it's, Lord, teach us to pray this way. <laughs> Calm our restless, anxious hearts. Jesus says it starts with one word. And when you start talking to God this way, you're, you're really, you're, you're stepping into the presence outside of yourself of God but you're also communicating to yourself. 
seeing that there is someone outside of me that is deeply invested and interested in me. So just, just think about the privilege. I'm going to harp on this because er, the rest of the prayer flows out of who you are in who you are as a child of God. All right. So last week, remember we looked at Revelation 8 and there we learned two things. One, that as Christians have the, are called priests, that we stand and we come into the presence of God. Our prayers go right into the throne room. And we also learn that we are kings through faith in Christ. That you can say, I am a priestly king in God's presence, because Jesus, who was the great high priest and the king, said, I'm going to share what I have with you. And so just think about this image with me. I mean, these are two great and powerful images of what it means to be a Christian. But just imagine you are a king of a great nation, and a priest, someone who has the right to come and talk to you, somebody who's in your courts, who's in your kingdom, who has access and permission and this priest is also another king, so he's royal, he's, he's got honor, um, royal nobility and importance, but you, O oh great king, are sound asleep in your bedroom at two in the morning. The priest comes in and says, O oh great king, I have something to say to you. Well, how do you respond? Who do you think you are to have come into my bedroom? I don't want to talk to you right now. I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> right? I mean, see, it's a child has access to a father in a way that nobody else in all outside of the family has to that person. The child has access to the king's throne, but, but really more into the intimacy, the closeness than anyone else in a way that a priest doesn't have, in a way that other subjects do not have. And when my son, I mean, I should be honest, I'm a sound sleeper, so this is more my wife, but I don't throw him out because he's my son. But he has the right to come into my room and say, Daddy, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm scared. I don't feel good. In a way that nobody else has. And Jesus says, call God Father. This is the access that Jesus is telling you to start your prayer life with. That all it takes to get the attention of the king in his most private setting is one word, Father. I mean, listen to the words of Martin Luther. You have it on your in your bulletins on the back. This is in his commentary on Galatians telling you about the gospel. But Martin Luther said, look, Abba, which means Father, it's just a little word, but it comprehends everything. This isn't just about being articulate, it's always having the right things to say, but it's about the affection of your heart, that you can say to God, although I am oppressed with anguish and terror on every side and seem to be forsaken and utterly cast away from your presence, yet because I am your child and you are my Father for Christ's sake, I am beloved because of Jesus the beloved and so this one little word coming from the depths of the heart surpasses all the most eloquent speakers that there ever were in the world 
What an amazing statement. Saying, you start by calling God Father, your prayer life. It's not as much about getting the words just right or you know, holding your mouth at the right angle or aiming in the right direction, all these different superstitious things. It, it starts with knowing who you are. That you would have the same access to God that Jesus has had for all of eternity. This is what shaped Jesus' prayer life. Remember John 17? Starts out, Father. This is eternal life, that they may know you and the one whom you've sent. And the whole prayer is saying, God, I pray, Father, I pray that they may have what I have. And out of that love, out of that prayer to his Father, he immediately purposely walked to the cross to be thrown out of God's house to bear the penalty for our sins for our prayerlessness for our lack of trust also we could be welcomed in so Jesus says Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come Even as we do this, like you start to feel the shadow of yourself being pulled back, <laughs> being restrained, being held back. That God loves me that much, that he wants to know me here in Boston Spa in 2016, in my lo this little space and time in history. So Paul, the Apostle Paul says, you received, if you trust in this Jesus, who loved you so much to be kicked out of his father's house on the cross to, so that you could be let in. He says, you received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the only reason that the word Abba is still recorded there is because it was burned into the memory of the disciples as they heard Jesus say over and over and over again, Abba, Father. You have the ability, the freedom to talk to God the way Jesus talked to God. So let's make this practical. If you're just beginning to learn to pray and you're, or you just want to restart and you're trying to reboot your life, re reboot your prayer life, it always begins with, a, with an exclamation like 1 John 3, 1. See w what kind of love God the Father has for us that we might be called children of God. In the, you could build a whole prayer life just by spending your, the rest of your life reflecting on all the different ways the New Testament says God is your Father. It's a bottomless well. Right? Ephesians 3, that's Paul's prayer, that you, would, that you and I would actually get it, <laughs> that we would go deeper and deeper, further up and further in. How infinite is the love of God that he has for us in Christ? And then he says, to him who is able to do more than we can even think to ask or imagine. <laughs> you see, to call God Father, you have to look at yourself and see that unless Jesus came and lived the perfect life for you and died this death on your behalf and rose again and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, we could never begin praying. We could never forget ourselves. So I just want to encourage you, start there. 
You start with your identity. And then second, how do you learn what to say to this God who says he's your father? Well, think about it this way. How do you learn to talk? Right? How did you learn to talk? Was it a lot of study, right? Did you hit the books? <laughs> no, your, your parents talked to you. And they, before you could even think to talk, and it's, it's so weird to think about that for those of us who have kids. How many years go by before you have an actual conversation with your kids? And we just talk to them and talk to them and talk to them, and they learn English or Spanish or French or whatever language it might be, depending on where they're from. And if you're going to go to another country, I mean, this is one of the things I got to experience was the best way my language skills improved when I stopped talking to Americans in English and was hanging out with people who couldn't speak English because I learned through people speaking to me, speaking at me, speaking past me, making fun of me, <laughs> right? That's what the scriptures are for. We learn what to say by speaking God's words back to him. And for those of us who are growing up in the church, uh, you learn how to pray just by listening, by hearing the Bible read, by hearing other Christians pray. I mean, as God says over and over and over again, I am your father, trust me, eventually it sinks in and we start to talk back. This is what gets him excited. Right, so the way you learn what to say is to immerse yourself in the scriptures. This is the same way Jesus learned to pray. I know you want to say he had the Holy Spirit and he cheated. No, he's fully human. He had to learn. He had to read the Bible. I mean, how did he learn that God was Father and his Father? The scriptures. He took Psalm 2 where God said, Today you are my son, I have begotten you. And he took the whole idea that God is Israel's father, and he said, I'm going to call him father. This is my right. So, if you want to learn how to pray, you have to learn these words that you find in the scriptures. And the best place to learn is from the Psalms. If you want to know what to say back. Jesus did this repeatedly. He just, he took what was addressed to God and started it with father. Psalm 31, 5, father, as I, he's dying on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You go to Psalm 31, it says nothing about father. It's just addressed to God. Now, we're going to do a quick overview. We'll, we'll bring this to a close. I mean, you really, you could do a whole sermon on each phrase of the Lord's Supper, I mean, around the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer. And pastors, there's got to be gazillion sermons on prayer on these words. But, but Luke just gives us five requests, and this is how I want to help teach you how this to be, to be practical. Think of it as, as an outline. And Jesus, when he says, I'm going to teach you to pray, he's not saying just say these, these words over and over and over again and don't say anything else. These are categories. These are launching pads for you to learn how to pray, right? to speak God's words back to him. Right, so what do we pray for? This is point two. He lists five requests to guide and shape these. And I'll say that if you have other simple questions, right? you can pray out loud, you can pray silently, you can write in a journal. God knows our thoughts, our words. Um, 
There's different ways to do this. If you have questions about it, feel free to ask. But look at how it starts. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. I mean, it's just one phrase that immediately says it's not going to start with you. God is the center of the universe. And hallowed is the, the verb form of the word holy. So God, make yourself holy. Make yourself known. Show the world how unique you are. That you are the only God who, who allows himself, who longs, who's made it his delight to be called Father. Hallowed be your name. It's, there's, a, there's a bunch of different ways you could do this. I'll give you, let's do it this way. You have, we have five requests, and one of the helpful acronyms I've learned about prayer is the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And supplication means just making requests to God, right? So really, you could approach this prayer with all, each phrase with all four of those. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Father, you are, there's no God like you. God, I do not honor you as Father. Thank you for wanting to be known as Father and help me come to believe more deeply that you are Father. It's so simple. You can go through all these. I mean, to pray, your kingdom come. It's to pray that God would make our eyes bigger than ourselves, that his kingdom is more important than mine. Um, this morning, Bethany was, the time, time Magazine was sitting open on our kitchen table, and <coughs> it's the Olympics, and John, Beth, trying to explain what the Olympics are to a three-year-old. And he saw a picture of the beach. He's like, that's my beach. He's like, no, that's in Brazil. We went to New Jersey. There's a big difference. <laughs> right? It's the whole idea is, let your kingdom come. God, help my vision become much bigger than it is. And it's going to take time. But you go through, God, thank you that you do not want to stay in heaven, that you want to bring your kingdom down to earth. Make that happen. Jesus, come back. This world is a mess. Forgive me for not caring about your kingdom and worrying about what I want more than what you want. You just go through the, the whole thing. And then you, it's not until you start thinking about who God is, who his mission, what his mission is, that you get to our daily bread, the things we want, the things we need. God and his kingdom, and then us. Right? So then you start saying, God, give me what I need for today. Give us this day our daily bread. I mean, it's so simple. We don't pray for bread. I don't think you do, unless you really like bread. And, you know, it's, it's what people lived off of. It's the most basic thing to honor and say, God, I need you to meet my needs. Right? Give me enough pocket change to get through the day. You can thank God that he wants to provide. Confess that you don't trust him, that you're anxious, that you won't believe that he will provide. You can just give him thanks. And then make all of your requests. He's not going to say yes to everything. But it starts with just saying, God, give me what I need to get through today. And then spend time in confession. Say, so you're still thinking about the gospel all the way through. Forgive us our sins. Help me to forgive other people. Pray for my enemies. I can't forgive them. I can't forget. 
Notice the way it's, it's structured here. Forgive us our sins, for we are the ones who are forgiving. It's, it's assuming that we get the gospel. <laughs> it's not that God forgives us because we're so forgiving. It's saying, you should forgive because I've forgiven you. And then it ends with, lead us not into temptation. To ask God to protect us from evil, uh, to restrain our hearts from wandering from him. You could spend an awful lot of time just going through these five phrases, using them as a launching pad to talk to God, your Father. And so notice, it, it starts first by addressing your Father. Then it gets to your, your physical and material needs. And it comes... Now, I'm going to stop. I'm going to keep going here. We've got to bring it to a close. Now, if we stop there, all I've given you, Jesus told you how to pray. I mean, we've gone through the gospel, yes, but one of the things we just said is you should put it all together. You should pray, being more concerned about God than yourself. That you should take time to ask God to provide. That you should take time to pray for other people, to be more concerned about the world than just our world. Um, to pray prayers of confession, to be honest with God, to pray for protection, to communicate. I mean, I've given you a list. And for those of us who feel busy, who have restless hearts, who are always wondering if we're going to do it right, who are anxious, we still have the same question, God, help me pray. And the beauty is, uh, of this passage, it's the way it ends. Jesus says, ask for the helper. He will help you. It's 11.13. Jesus says in passing, we'll look more at this next week. But Jesus says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know what the Holy Spirit's job is? What he wants to do is to show you Jesus to show you the privileges you have in the gospel, to show you God, your Father, through Jesus. That his spirit testifies to your spirit that you actually are a son so that you can pray. You, you come in with rock-solid assurance that he hears you. Um, so Jesus says, why don't you ask? Ask for heaven. Don't, don't settle for the things down here. Ask for heaven, and earth will be thrown in. See, God's delight in prayer, this is what I want to leave you with, is to have you as his own and to give you himself. And in prayer is where we figure that out. We figure out who God is. He shows us ourselves. And we entered it into this conversation where God says, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. And that is true because Jesus, God is thrilled with Jesus, the perfect one. May that motivate you and teach you to pray. Let's pray. God, this was a, a, a big reminder sermon <laughs> of who we are. 
And so I ask for those of us who are out here who, um, well, maybe they don't know you as Father. Maybe they haven't put their faith in Jesus, uh, who, who died for our sins to forgive us forever so that we might be accepted, that we might wear his clothes, <laughs> to be treated as stainless, sinless, beautiful. Uh, I pray that they would learn to pray and to cry out the Spirit would come and, and move them to pray for the first time and say, God, I need your help. And for all of us who are learning to how to pray, Lord, may this prayer that Jesus kindly taught us draw us closer to you and send your kingdom to the ends of the earth that your cry of love may be heard across the lands, in our hearts, and across the street. In Jesus' name, amen.